it's Greg Grunberg, uh, Snap Wexley from Heroes, and Commander Finnegan of Yorktown from a uh, little thing called Star Trek. And you are kneeling before the pod. Kneel Before Blog presents... Kneel Before Pod. Welcome to another scoundrel-ridden edition of Neil Before Pod, the podcast that always rounds down, especially where the running time is concerned. A new Star Wars movie is on the big screen and we must talk about it. I'm your host Craig and I'm going to pull together a crew for a special job. That job is of course talking about Solo, a Star Wars story. First up, rumour has it he did the Kessel Run in even more parsecs, in fact he actually didn't do it at all, it's Chris. Hello. How do you feel being a liar about your accomplishments? Um, well, I thought I had a shortcut, but it turned out the shortcut was the wrong way, and then I didn't want to ask for directions, so I just ended up sort of coming out the other side of a nebula, I had to go back round, you know. I'll get it done eventually. I'll get round to it. That's cool. Um, we're very lazy on this podcast, so that's fine. Next up, we have our very own scruffy-looking nerf herder. It's Angus. <laughs> Do you go on scruffy-looking? <laughs> <laughs> you, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> And last but no, by no means least, she has the death penalty in 12 systems. It's Natalie. <laughs> what? Who? Me? Yeah. Is it actually me? Yeah. Okay. I feel like that's a compliment, so thank you. <laughs> or 12 systems want to kill you. Who knows? We can make it more. <laughs> we can make it more. That's, there's plenty of time. There's plenty of time. Mm-hmm. Plenty of systems. So before we start our solo podcast, um, which is... Thankfully not solo, there's more than one person here, which is great. <laughs> so uh, we're going to continue with our hit new feature, Neil Before, Rise Against, uh, Angus and Natalie making their debut for the first time. The well, debut is the first time. Yes, they're here Maybe. for the first time yeah. doing this. Yeah. So I will pick randomly. Angus, you go first. What are you kneeling before on this edition? I am kneeling before a Netflix documentary series called The Toys That Made Us. <laughs> season two has just appeared on netflix which i haven't actually watched yet but um i remember watching uh season one in a kind of um fevered haze binged it um at new year when i was ill <laughs> and kind of reminisced about he-man toys and things like that <laughs> but i see that in uh in season two they're covering uh some star wars toys i think uh tra- and transformers as well so uh looking forward to that Cool. I have seen this advertised on Netflix. I just haven't watched it yet, but yeah, I feel like I would I would enjoy it. Do they talk about Spider-Man toys? Um, not that I've seen so far. There is Lego coming up in this one, so that's oh, pretty Lego. fundamental. Wow. Sounds cool. Yep. That is the toy, though, isn't it? They've got to bring it up. Yeah, exactly. They I do. thought Buzz Lightyear was like... It's all-consuming now. I mean, it's everything. It's computer games. It's everything. Movies. Uh, Eventually, you'll be able to build your own house out of Lego. Oh, someday. <laughs> someday. Some, someone somewhere has already done it, no doubt. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and then they're really, really upset when it just falls down because it's made of Lego. And and imagine walking about barefoot in a Lego house. It would oh. be a challenge. I think it'd be a really smooth floor if you just put the bricks sideways. Or upside down. No, that uh, would hurt even more. I'd be like living in a house full of potholes would be a nightmare. <laughs> mm. and that'd be so gross you would get like, shoes mm. that, that, that plug into them then you can walk <laughs> into walls 
Okay, we've got to oh, stop the podcast and make that thing now. Yeah, that's it. We're just going to build Lego now. That's the hundredth <laughs> podcast you'll be listening to is building Lego. <laughs> It'll be really frustrating. We'll all hate each other. I'd actually that... really like to do that. Can we do that? <laughs> I don't think it's the best audio experience for people. I think it could be the best. Satisfying the... plastic clicking into mm. other bits of plastic. Mm. <laughs> I, yeah. Mm-hmm. There'd be all sorts of swearing as we don't agree on things and... Uh, we're not coordinated and things well as long as people do things my way we'll be fine (laughs) and there it starts so natalie what are you kneeling before this week jurassic park no i'm not kneeling before that i did enjoy it let's go with chris pratt i'm kneeling before chris pratt (laughs) and what's chris pratt done lately that (laughs) that requires a kneel before (laughs) he saved some dinosaurs That's lewd. <laughs> he saved some dinosaurs. Spoiler. And he's really cute. So you enjoyed him in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom then? Yeah, and I also really enjoyed him in that um, interview that he had with Chris Mackerel as well. <laughs> <laughs> well I don't know how we're going to explain that to listeners. <laughs> you can put it in like a post-script thing. This week on Did Not Happen. <laughs> Uh, we might do a post credit scene where we put in, or we can't because it wasn't recorded. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, yeah. sorry. My, my interview with Chris Pratt wasn't recorded. I did do it. <laughs> but accidentally, I erased the tape. No one pressed record. Uh, yeah. No one pressed record. You just wanted record. it to exist. You just wanted it to exist between you. Do you know what? I wanted it to be a moment between me and a fellow Chris, and I didn't <laughs> think that other people not called Chris should share it. Well, that's, that's really nice. That's I, I agree. He's I'm okay with it. <laughs> Don't miss Chris with Pine and Evans. <laughs> Coming yeah. soon. Coming soon. And, On Chris uh, to Chris. And, uh, oh my god, more. Chris, make that a thing. Chris <laughs> to Chris. I, I will try and make it a thing. I will try. Mm. And there will be a Hemsworth eventually. Maybe not Chris Hemsworth, but a Hemsworth. <laughs> we'll just find some guy called... David Hemsworth and invite him on the podcast. That is the worst name ever. We might be able to get Akabusi. <laughs> I was thinking Kamara, but you know, we can get it. We'll get it. Probably, yeah, it might be equally gettable. <laughs> so Natalie enjoyed Jurassic World to some degree. I also liked mm-hmm. it, which surprised mm-hmm. me because I thought mm-hmm. the um, the first Jurassic World was a lot of tripe. So uh, <gasps> What? Yeah, I didn't like it, but I liked this one. And um, did you do a podcast already for Jurassic Park, for Jurassic World? <laughs> no, 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 no. Not got enough to say about it to do it. I do. Podcast. Oh my god! Like, oh my what god. was that all about with the girl? Like, uh, absolutely. Well, mental. spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Attack if you want to know what I thought of Jurassic World, then the review is linked to the show notes. Uh, mm-hmm. Chris, you saw it. it. Did you like it? I did actually. I, I think it's one of the better of the sequels. Uh, one of the better, better of the Jurassic Park sequels. sequels. There's a great yardstick. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Angus, I feel did like you we need it? to talk about this. Did you enjoy it? Um, well, it's a bit of a spoiler for my uh, Rise Against. Really? Uh, let's yeah. leave it then. Let's leave it then. <laughs> oh until God, the, I'm intrigued. I'm until intrigued. the appropriate section. <laughs> Chris, what are you kneeling before? I am kneeling before the fact that we are getting a couple of new Kingsman movies. On the horizon, oh, we're going like to be getting a TV series a... and a Lego set, and <laughs> <laughs> we are getting a prequel movie that's going to take place in the 1900s. Oh, 
Yeah. Like and 1999. <laughs> <laughs> um, slightly earlier than 1999. 1993? Slightly earlier. You're getting warmer. You are getting warmer. Slightly like um, free will. All I have at the moment is the early 1900s. So let's go with that. Uh, oh, the and, early 1900s. And then the follow-up to that, we are going to get uh, what we'd call Kingsman Free. So, like, um, a sequel sequel, rather than a prequel sequel. And some kind of spin-off yeah. TV show, I think. I believe so, yes. Yeah. Do you guys want to hear a confession? Yeah. I've never seen one of those films. <gasps> you might not like them. Why? Chris there seems are, to be loving them. There, there are reasons that I think you specifically won't like them. <laughs> um, why is that... I'm not going to go into it because that would be a spoiler for a film we're not here to talk about. It doesn't have Chris Pratt <laughs> okay. in it, so that will knock a star off in your estimation, unfortunately. That's not true. Well, not true. Anyway, <laughs> that's a topic to be revisited at a later date. Ah. Do you I think am, you should watch one? Uh, the first one's the best. The second one is it's pretty good, I think, but there are points in it where you know, I was not liking it. <laughs> that's all I'll say about it there are some points in it where I'm like mm, you pushed it a bit too far there mm-hmm. you know good use of Elton John in the sequel though it has to be said what is he actually yeah. in it yes. yes or just the music quite a significant role very good use of Elton John <laughs> mm, okay. in fact when I put my review I put that as one of the Neil Befores great use of Elton John <laughs> maybe not in those exact words but definitely it was nice. why not it should have been <laughs> well deployed John that's it. Well deployed. <laughs> All of the jokes I want to do right now are not broadcastable. That's I will it. save them yeah. for later. Yeah. Do it. Save I it for Chris to Chris after dark. Dark is my favorite. Okay, I am kneeling before the trailer for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which Did is, if you don't know, is an animated film that Sony are making uh, about Spider-Man. It's coming out at Christmas. Uh, the protagonist in this film is uh, Miles Morales, so that's a bit different. And he's kind of being mentored by an alternate universe, schlubby, older Peter Parker. Uh, the animation looks really cool. story looks like it'll be a lot of fun. It looks like Sony might, make, might manage to make a good Spider-Man movie for once. So I'm excited. I think it looks really great. How many times do we have to talk about Spider-Man? <laughs> And well, new releases. I am a huge podcast. fan of Spider Man, so a lot. Lots, probably. Jesus, wept. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised when you didn't talk about this on the Legion podcast that went up, because I thought Craig's definitely going to mention the Into the Spider Verse trailer. Yeah, and you but didn't. I had Bumblebee to talk about it then. And you I did. That was good, so. <laughs> you did, but I was I've like, got, I've got, I've got loads I, of these. <laughs> I was going to mention it, and then I was like, no, Craig's definitely going to want to talk about this. So, yeah, I, the trailer looks really, really good. Great that it's getting a focus on uh, Miles Morales, and I don't know, maybe that then brings him into canon properly for the films? Who knows? No, it's like a separate thing. I know it's kind of a separate universe, but yeah. testing the water, maybe? He can show up in the films, sure. He will at some point, I would imagine. But yeah, that's cool. Animated film out in the cinema at Christmas. Might not mm. be terrible. Mm. I'm, I'm keen. Yeah. yeah, I haven't seen it. Maybe I can be swayed by the trailer. And to be fair, I did enjoy the last film with, of Spider-Man that we accidentally saw. So Accidentally like, saw. Maybe, maybe I, it was just like the period of like between 2000 and 2015 that I didn't like. <laughs> 
that's quite a high number of years. I just made those years up, so I don't know if they're accurate. Sorry. Yeah, close enough. <laughs> so that that's all the good stuff out of the way. Uh, Angus, what are you rising against? I, as alluded to earlier, am no. rising no. against more Jurassic World. Uh, <laughs> I know that, and you also mentioned that you know judging it against other Jurassic Park sequels doesn't really you know put oh, it up there with some of the greatest filmmaking ever but uh, this one left me thinking we're kind of heading down the road of rise of the planet of the dinosaurs dawn of the planet of the dinosaurs war for the planet of the dinosaurs etc etc i haven't seen those films so i can't because they don't exist (laughs) (laughs) he's alluding to something else (laughs) (laughs) no i haven't seen them so i couldn't say but i did find this one quite hilarious I thought it was really funny. There were some really like laugh out loud moments of are they really doing that? That is so funny. See, Taking it I, to an extreme. I liked it because it wasn't a rubbish copy of Jurassic Park. I mean, there are parts of it I really liked, but also I kept mm-hmm. thinking, wow, this is not trying to be Jurassic Park and that's mm. not bad. It's not the same franchise anymore. It doesn't feel like the same franchise anymore, but maybe that's okay because mm-hmm. the same franchise has just been derivative since the second one, so... Yeah, we sort of talked about this, didn't we? Put yeah. a dog kennel in it, and it's Jurassic Park 2. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say it's more resident Jurassic Park. You know, there's a haunted house, there's dinosaurs in a house, you know. Oh, God, that house. <laughs> or also known oh, as... That that house. Or, or Dino Crisis. Oh, that was crazy. Dino Crisis is I the legit, other one. I legit be. cried as well. Like, it made me really sad. Yeah, how did Babe's dad not know that all those dinosaurs were going on down there? You know, that guy was so, and there were so many bad guys. Like, oh no, wait, there's more. Like, mate, stop it with the bad people and doing this. Yeah. You're listening to the Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom uh, spoiler edition. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what the film's actually called? Yes. I didn't know that. Mm, there you go. So, Natalie, what are you rising mm-hmm. against? Um, I was trying to think of this because. Like five minutes ago, when you were like, "Oh, what are you, what are you kneeling before?" and I feel like I got it wrong because you're kneeling. you're rising against homework, Natalie. <laughs> I'm rising against what happened. What was bad? New format. <laughs> no, because on my CV it says that I'm adaptable and like down with change. So can you think on your feet? That. Yeah. Stand up then. <laughs> oh. so I'm going to have to edit this podcast heavily to make it look like you had something right away ready in case no, any potential employers No, I think people need to, to hear the thought processes that go on behind these things I'm rising against working too much mm. I should have said I kneel before having my first ever solo exhibition <gasps> Solo? Ah, no, but legit, that was true Yes, and we were at it and we read to you, which was... You are. Thank you so much for coming. It was really, really cool. Uh, You're welcome. Um, (laughs) It was quite a unique experience, it has to be said. I'm going to take that as a compliment. Chris has been silent (laughs) with his own feedback. I just dropped a minute. I just don't want to. T- I just don't want to talk over the top of everyone else. I I really enjoyed it. It was it was very different. I kind of got the giggles while I was reading, and once I got the giggles, I couldn't stop. So it I apologise for that. But uh, no, don't. It was all part of it, and um, and it was really special. So thank you. There we go. 
So that's me. I'm done. Working too much. Speaking of someone that edits these podcasts, I also agree mm-hmm. with that. Chris, what are you rising against? Okay, so I, I think I have done several reboots now as part of Rise Against, and I found out there's another one. They're making a Willy Wonka movie, right? I and they're now ages ago. And what? they're now getting close to casting. So do you do you want to know who they are getting close to casting? Please, in the Willy Cage. Wonka movie. Nicholas Cage. It has to be Nicholas Cage. Whippy Goldberg. <laughs> These are great names. Okay, so here's the list: Ryan Gosling, oh. Donald Glover, or Ezra Miller. Who's well, those Ezra are Miller? diverse. They're the very Flash. diverse. Who's He's Ezra the, Miller? The Flash in Justice League. Yeah, I don't know who that is. Oh well. Willy Wonka in Willy Wonka. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with the one that I don't recognise their name. Uh, I w- I'd like to see Donald Glover as Willy Wonka, actually. That would be fun. I don't. Um, but I don't really want to see this film, so... Yeah, I'm, 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 more, I'm more against the fact that this film exists. It seems very unnecessary. Unless Why? it's Gene Wilder, I am not interested. Yes. I really I really like these stories, though, and like reading Rodal when I was younger was one of my favourite things to do. Like... I had like so many happy feels when I was a child yeah. from reading Rodal books and especially Charlie the Chocolate Factory and The Great Glass Elevator. So I'm I actually have never heard of this, but I think when it comes out I'm gonna go see it because I'm curious enough. I wanna go and see it. If anyone remembers those horrible red and white sweets. Love them. Uh, I think <laughs> it should be called Childish Campino. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. it's. Do you know what? In its, in its, to its credit, it has got um, Paul King that directed Paddington directing it, so it might oh, actually turn out to yeah. be all right. But you know, I've got to either. rise against something, and therefore it's going down. I'm sorry. As long as it's not Johnny Depp, I'll be happy. I don't like yeah. that guy. He had okay, like he had cool quirks that I enjoyed. But you're right; you can't ever compare them to Jim Wilder. Like you just can't. Yeah. But um, just don't compare them, and it's fine. Hmm. Yeah, I'll just not watch the um, the Johnny Depp version. That'll be fine. That uh, one, though, had more original music in it, though, because all the songs that were in that, Rodal had written originally. Yeah. So, so, I'm not rising against Johnny Depp. That was almost a bonus one. I am rising against the human garbage that forced Kelly Marie Tran, a.k.a. Rose Tico, off Instagram because they're racist. They think they have some sort of righteous fury when it comes to fixing the Star Wars films, and they're just terrible, terrible people. So I'm what rising ha- against what them. the hell happened? Well, she she apparently deleted her Instagram because like she couldn't take all the racism anymore. Valid. Um, and, you know, there, there should be apologies for that happening to her, but anyway. Uh, and then some guy, some loser, released a statement about how glad he was to be part of that movement that managed to force her off Instagram. Okay. That's that... not very nice. No. Who's this person? Uh, I don't remember his name at present. No, the, the person that we're talking about that got forced off Instagram? Kelly Marie Tran. She played Rose in... Oh! In, in uh-huh. The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Yeah! I really like her. Yeah. Some people don't. And some people take their... Um, Take your really anger out on, on people. Mm. So yeah, those people. That's, 
What a load of bullshit. Those people, screw those people. They should be eaten by velociraptors. Mm, disemboweled by velociraptors. It's a pretty good rise against. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think so. Um, so that's that. Racist so- and sexist. That's outrageous. What a load of... That's... I feel like I've, I've righteously angered the podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> let's all go do something about it right now. Let's, let's all go post our support on Twitter or something. I don't know. I'm just going to... Yeah, I've said it in a public forum. I think it's disgusting. No racism on this podcast. I don't mm-hmm. think I'll even link to it in the show notes because I don't want people even reading about it. I think mm-hmm. it's disgusting. So that's that. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Thank you. So, on to the main event. A new Star Wars film came out to, let's, it has to be said, minimal fanfare. Uh, probably because it was out two weeks after Infinity War. Or, or a month after Infinity War. Two weeks after Deadpool 2. Just before Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. So it kind of sits in this weird little middle sandwich of, of blockbuster summer releases that, I guess, cause people to just not really bother about it. But it is out. It's about a young Han Solo doing all the things that a young Han Solo does. And we're here to talk about it. So I will open up with uh, Angus. Do you want to share your spoiler-free thoughts? Yes, I do. I went in with low expectations based on all of the... So low expectations. So low. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All of the, you know... um, lack of buzz I suppose about the trouble and stuff that this production went through um, and I you know didn't I suppose like a lot of other people didn't really want to see uh, anyone else playing Han Solo because Harrison Ford is the mm-hmm. iconic Han Solo uh, so yeah I went in you know not really expecting much um, and actually enjoyed it I um, just you know straight off the bat um had a good time watching it. I mean, there are things that I, or will be discussing, I suppose, once we get into spoiler territory that I didn't like as much, but overall, I found it a positive viewing experience. Mm. Hmm. Fair enough. Natalie, what did you think? Um, aside from the first scene, really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. And I can't really understand. Well, I can understand. I can understand why it's not doing so well at the box office. There's a lot of things against it but um, that doesn't mean it's a flop to me I really enjoyed it as a film and um, and I want to go and see it again Cool, Chris? Um, I really enjoyed it I'm in that camp as well to be honest um, expectations were low just like uh, Angus said um, with all the, the news about sort of directors leaving and reshoots and other bits and pieces I was like oh it's, it's going to sting a little bit but actually, I I think it, it came out quite well, to be honest. I have the feeling that the box office performance is due to it coming out so close to another Star mm-hmm. Wars film, whereas with all the others, there's been this sort of year-long wait and build-up and anticipation, whereas with this, I don't think people were expecting it to be up to much. So I think mm-hmm. the buzz for it's been very, very low. It's not been one of these, oh, you must go and see this. Whereas sort mm-hmm. of things like Deadpool and definitely with Infinity War, it kind of had that that draw of you want to see this before people spoil it for you. Whereas I don't think Solo has had that factor going for it. Cool. Uh, my thinking is I was a bit meh on it, to be honest. I 
didn't dislike it. Um, I didn't particularly like it either. It kind of occupied this middle ground of it filled time. It was a thing that washed over me. It came and appeared in front of me and happened, but it didn't stir any kind of large feelings in me one way or another. I just thought it was kind of okay. Um, and you must be dead inside. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had, I mean, I didn't really have any expectations because I wasn't really following the hype, and you know, I'd, I've probably made no secret of the fact that it's not a film I terribly wanted to see. You know, like I feel like everything I need to know about Han Solo I learn in A New Hope, um, and this film didn't give me anything extra that I feel I could take away from the character. So, yeah, meh. That was, that was that's what it sounds like to be slowly digested over the course of a thousand years <laughs> basically yeah that's what this film was doing to me <laughs> um yeah so that's that uh so to find out why i think that should we um do the spoiler run yes punch it Right, let's start with characters. We have a new cast of people playing familiar characters, at least in two cases. Everyone else is kind of new. Well, there's three cases, I suppose, although this this Chewbacca has been playing Chewbacca for... Well, this is his third appearance as Chewbacca, isn't it? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, he was sharing screen time with Peter Mayhew and the other two appearances, Mayhew. but like he does a lot of the running around because Peter Mayhew is not so spring chickeny anymore and can't run around so um yeah we'll go with two new actors so what did we think of alden ehrenreich a name that i finally learned how to say loved him who's talking right now that that sound you can hear is your own voice (laughs) well i wasn't sure if i'd like interrupted someone i kind of zoned out a bit and then i heard like and then I was like, oh yeah, this guy. Um, I thought he was great. I really, really enjoyed him. And, it, and obviously, he had huge shoes to fill. Like, ginormous. Um, I think how he how he speaks, how he walks, how he acts. Um, there's just a really like almost beautiful charisma that he possesses that just just is so just so Han Solo it's a fine line because it could Han. have Han Solo because he could Han. have gone too far one way and it would have been this mm. kind of weird like imitation um, but yeah I think that he, I think he did pretty well as you say massive shoes to fill um, and yeah I guess he didn't he didn't screw it up which is <laughs> <laughs> faint praise but no I I think he was really likable, and he wasn't mm-hmm. too. It wasn't too reminiscent of Harrison Ford, but it was, you know, clearly the character. Um, and I suppose it's a bit like um, Ewan McGregor stepping in as Obi Wan Kenobi, where you know everyone's used to Alec Guinness, and at, to begin with, his his um, impression of the character was a bit kind of uh, uh, of a a tribute. But then he kind of made it his own, and I feel that Alden Ehrenreich did the same. Uh, Chris, what did you think of Alden? <laughs> I think he did a fantastic job, to be honest. I would not 
envy his position of coming in and going, if he goes too similar to Harrison Ford, they'll say, oh, he's not doing his own thing, he's doing a bad impression. If he goes too far on doing his own thing, people will say, ah, no, no, that's totally not Han Solo. That, that's not Han Solo, we know. No, no, no. So I, I think he played it very well, and it is meant to be the character sort of developing and becoming what we are used to, and I think he did a very good job of portraying that. Yeah, absolutely. I really enjoyed it, and there was just a few times, actually, when I was so, like, dumbstruck with how, how good he was, and I guess it's just because you go in and you you just have no clue of, of what he's going to be like, you know, because, yeah, I really, I think everyone should go and see it. If you're a Star Wars fan, I don't understand why you wouldn't go and see it, and, and I know, Craig, you already mentioned that everything that you wanted to know about him you got from another film, but to be honest... The way that they tell his story, it's the story that I never knew I wanted to know. And now that I know it, I just, I really enjoyed it. I, I left the cinema, like, just quite happy and cheesing at so much of the film. Like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> it, my opinion on his performance comes with a bit of a caveat. I do think that he is a fine actor, and I think he did a really good job in this. Uh, but... I didn't at any point get a hand solo vibe from him. Not oh, once. I did. I definitely Never. did. So I in fact so much so. I had to remind myself throughout that he was supposed to be that character because he was so unlike in, <gasps> in every way. Um, I, and I, I, I get that this is a prequel and he hasn't quite got into his world wearied cynicism yet, but there should be something there that, that tells me. You know, I was thinking like and I was thinking, what am I looking for here? And I was maybe looking for Zach Quinto's Spock or Chris Pine's Kirk or Carl Urban's McCoy. You know, those those actors took on those roles and delivered something new while it's still clear who they're supposed to be. And I never got the impression that he was Han Solo. Uh, the flip side to that is within two seconds of seeing Lando in this film or even hearing Lando in this film, I was like, that's Lando right away. You know, there was no doubt in my mind right away. So... It's weird that they did so well one side, but not so well another side. I enjoyed Solo more than Lando. Controversial. Like, because maybe it's just because, like, I sort of thought that Lando would be good anyway. Yeah. You know, so I went in and I wasn't really worried about that character. True. I was really impressed. By Solo. Yeah, I felt the same. I was looking forward to seeing Donald Glover yeah. as as Lando. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean I didn't enjoy him. I'm just saying that I was more surprised and pleasantly surprised. Yeah, and I had the same low expectations for Han, but um, Han. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed both of them. Yeah, I still enjoyed him. I thought he carried the film really nicely. He's a charismatic leading man. He um, is very funny. He bounces off the other cast really well, but still didn't feel like Han Solo. Well, that is your problem, Craig, because we all enjoyed it. Possibly, but still, I'm here to mm-hmm. tell you my opinion, so therefore I'm yeah. telling my opinion. Well, hopefully people opinion. listen to ours, because um, <laughs> I feel like we're better. Right, just, right, just, right. just ignore the host. That's, that's what to do. Our, our, our opinion won't be there, because Craig will edit it out later. <laughs> what I'm going to do is I'm going to do, do my best impression of all of you and just have, yes, I agree with that, just yeah, over and over I, again. Let's oh, get a few clean... 
You're quite right, Craig. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I've got, Good I've, show. I'm, well done. I'll dig, I'll dig through old podcasts. I'm sure you've agreed with me at some point. I mean, I'll find it. It'll be the really? longest edit there. job of my life, but it is uh, it is important that I'm um, I'm always right and that everybody agrees with me. That's what this is all about. You make a wonderful point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if not, I'll get Chris Pratt to help me. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was that. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what he could have done to make himself more Han Solo-ish. Um, but he wasn't doing it. Uh, it's always difficult when actors pick up iconic roles like that. And, you know, if it had just been a tale about some smuggler in the Star Wars universe, I'd have probably been on board with it. No, you would have been like, who's this guy? Han Solo? No. Yeah, because I never, because I never associated this guy with Han Solo, so therefore I'd been like, oh, "That's a pretty cool smuggler." Well, you story. should have. It's called Solo. It's in the title. Yeah, and if it wasn't, then I wouldn't have had any other clue otherwise, uh, apart from the oh fact he God. kept telling us his name. That is shade, like seriously. But Donald Glover was was excellent. He um he managed to do that thing about uh, getting the spirit of the character right while making it his own. It's a shame he wasn't in it more often, and uh, I've. I think I might have been more interested in this film if it was Lando, a Star Wars story, or we could have called it the Calrissian Chronicles. Oh, it mm. will be. Don't <laughs> worry. Do you know who I was surprised, now that you're saying that you're surprised that he wasn't in it more, I'm actually really surprised how much we saw of Woody Harrelson and Dandy Newton. I had no clue that they were in this film. And then when they turned up in that sort of um, battle scene, when they were in like the trenches, um, I I saw them and recognised them and I thought, oh, they're going to die soon because they're obviously just making like a special appearance. And then I looked at the whole scene and I thought maybe everyone is like a really well-known actor in the scene. You know how they do like Daniel Craig or whatever as a stormtrooper and stuff. And I thought, oh, maybe everyone here is actually like a really well-known actor and this is their scene to all be in it together and say they've been in Star Wars. But then they ended up carrying like so much of the story. And I was really like, I don't know, I was quite surprised. Does anyone else feel weird when, like, someone who's well established, like Woody Harrelson, turns up in a Star Wars movie? It was you know, a bit jarring to you, begin with. Yeah. To me, at the, at the beginning, you absolutely. Same with like Forrest Whitaker. It's like these actors are very well established in their own right, and Star Wars has always kind of been about these, you know, these plucky actors that they find from nowhere just coming into, yeah. you know, make a big deal out of a film, and um, it, it kind of lifts me out a little bit because when I'm watching Woody Harrelson, I'm like, that's just Woody Harrelson. He's just playing <laughs> that Woody Harrelson type guy that he always plays, you know. Yeah. And, um, it, I mean, I thought he was good. Of course he's good. He's always good. But yeah. it was still a bit off-putting because I was like, oh, it's Woody. I can't yeah. remember his name in the film. I'm glad he wasn't just a throwaway character, though. Like, I'm glad he he wasn't just a special guest appearance because if he had been, I don't think he would have enjoyed the film as much. But because he became quite an integral character... Um, it it you just have to accept that he's there and get beyond it. But if he if it had been the other way though, and it was just like for five minutes, then I think I would have written this film off a little bit as being a massive gimmick, you know. But um, I thought he was used quite well, and I thought that he was a really good character. Actually, I really I did enjoy him. I enjoyed watching him. He was quite Woody Harrelson, he. Yeah, but that's what we like about him, and I didn't have a problem with it because I thought. Actually, in the Star Wars universe, if that's I can believe that he would be like that. Like I can believe him as a character. I like um, to see. Her. I like to see. Her. 
I liked him fine. Uh, he was good. I think they could have made more of the fact that he's supposed to be essentially the inspiration for what Han lives by later in life. You know, he's uh, he didn't quite set the kind of example that I thought he was going to. Yeah, and he kind of, the, the way that, um, you know, he's a double crosser and, you know... A triple crosser. Quadruple crosser. I, I, lost I don't know, I don't feel like... Yeah. I don't feel like Han, this Han would have taken as much inspiration from this guy, whereas if it had been someone that he'd like properly admired or that they, they'd been swashbuckling together for a while and then this guy died off or whatever, or, you know, Han had to witness that, then you could see him kind of going on and living that lifestyle but it might just be more that he's jaded he's been jaded by these people Maybe. you know like he he tries really hard like you see how hard he, he tries to get on that ship to be taken away with them you know he wants to be part of what they're all about um because he thinks that his skill set matches those and and their aspirations are the same um like he he does look up to them but then like he does become this jaded character that we then see in the later films. You can see a lot of why he thinks the way he does in later ones in this one, not, and that's why I really enjoyed it, which is really clever. Not, not in this film he doesn't. By the end of the film he's still like, let's go to Tatooine and like hook up with this gangster, it's going to be amazing. You know, he's, um, it, at no point does he like, ah, life sucks. I'm just going to like, I'm out for myself. It's me and Chewie in the open road. That's it. No and one doesn't else. he give away the fuel as well? So he... Yeah. He's too yeah. heroic. Like, yeah. Ugh. Well, um, I'm misremembering, obviously. Because in A New Hope, when he shows up at the no, end and saves Luke from from Vader, um, that's like the first selfless thing he's ever done, or certainly in a long time, you know. And, mm. um, a long time. So they've kind of, they've almost retconned him into being a hero because the film needs him to be a hero. You know, I think uh, the Hansel that we know would have been like, yeah, here's the hyperspace fuel, never bother me again, I'm going to fly off, see you later. Well, he's young and stuff. And he has, yep. at least he did learn to shoot first in uh, this particular thing <laughs> when dealing with Beckett. You mean not at exactly the same time and move his head very quickly? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, this is one of the bits where they're going, okay, he's supposed to be learning a lesson here where not to trust people because always expect double crosses and triple crosses at this point. Um, I mean, it's a problem with the film on overall, not just with this character relationship, but sort of trying to tick too many boxes too quickly in this character's life. Um, I think leads everyone to go well at this point is he meant to be this is Han Solo just before he arrives at Tatooine and you're going no it's not this is meant to be way before that still so he's still got life lessons to go and obviously they set it up in the hope that they're going to do some more life lessons potentially but whether they'll actually get to do them now or not is uh, to remain unseen he has a really busy week though doesn't he he has a very busy week (laughs) You know, he he does the Kessel Run, he wins the Falcon, he meets Chewie. He gets yeah. his surname. He gets his surname. Well, that's not in the week, is it? No, but, no. But, but, yeah. but see, that's, that's my bit, is that, do you know what? There's an interesting Han Solo in the trenches fighting for the Empire story in there. And I know that they want to gloss over that very conveniently and go, no, he's a hero. Just ignore the fact that he fought for the Empire for a bit. Um, but... 
wouldn't that have been an interesting angle, doing that, that and then setting them off bits. on this story? Yeah, you know? I really like that. But I kind of like that they don't talk about it, though. I kind of like that they do gloss over it a little bit, because it still leaves you to wonder, you know, if they'd, if they'd explained that as well, would you not just been like, oh my gosh, like, they didn't need to tell us everything. This way, there's still a wee bit of mystery retained, and it's you have to imagine it to be absolutely horrific or awful or brutal or whatever because he won't even share it at this point you know like he can't even he can't even share it and I think this is something that they probably use as major fuel for his character for later I don't know something that just inside and you know if they'd explained that what there wouldn't be anything left can we not just have the you know, an extended part of the film where he's a hotshot, reckless Imperial pilot. I wanted to see him fly a TIE fighter. That would be absolutely mental. It would. So, you know, so when he was in the infantry, I was like, oh, why is he in the infantry? He's a pilot. We need to see more of him as a pilot. I mean, sort of an, em- an empire take on Top Gun. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you're too reckless. And it's like, no, I get results. And eventually just get kicked out. I did like the... Um, being part of the Empire Army or Navy or whatever he was in um, and I agree that I think that they could have used more of that stuff and had more of the of that side of his um, origin mm-hmm. um, like if they'd focused on that over something else yeah they were like yeah, rushing possibly. through stuff basically I, yeah I, I agree with Chris that they kind of ticked a few too many boxes in this but you know I think that's you have to accept that's what you're going to get with a lot of these mm. um, everything. I mean, yeah, some of the fan service stuff did make me smile or you know laugh out loud or whatever. But like it's I hate just, you. It's just, yeah. <laughs> but it's, you, when you that's not very nice. You appreciate it. You appreciate <laughs> some of it, but when you know that some of it's coming as well, you know, like if there's a throwaway reference to Bosk, I'm going to like that. But if they have to do, <laughs> if they have to, you know, tick off so many of the things that were mentioned in previous films all in one go it just mm. is a bit too forced I think it becomes that's a bit like Rogue no, One no pun intended no pun that's not how the force works <laughs> I didn't hear you I was laughing at my own joke sorry <laughs> yeah um, yeah so the the origin thing I think they, they could have just spent more time building you know those three that three years later jump it just annoyed me because there's a story to be told in those three years Mm-hmm. And, you know, the thing is, if you want to see a story about a pilot who doesn't like following rules, then you should show him as a pilot who doesn't follow rules. Well, maybe they will. Maybe this was like a test, you know, like a test board of like, what do people respond to well? What do they, you know? And then from there, you know, if everyone's saying, oh, I really want to see what this would be like if it was just focusing on him as a soldier. Other people might be like, oh, I want to see what happens next. It's going to, maybe it's just you know all designed to let the people know what they should focus on next. You know, a tasting is, board. Is is there a word for a prequel in the middle of a film? <laughs> Don't know. Maybe. The following is set between yeah. <laughs> yeah. God, can't really, can't resolve this now. So now in my Star Wars rewatch, I have to watch watch the first twenty minutes of Solo, then take the disc out and put the second. <laughs> <laughs> Put, put the middle film in, and then, like, and no then more. Get the next one in. Yeah. Oh god, it's just it's just going to get all kinds of messy. Yeah, well, <laughs> probably do whatever is going to make the money, you know. 
Well, clearly not this film, apparently. So. Yeah, but that's obviously not because it's not a good movie. It's because somebody who was in control of getting it released and putting it up against those other films was stupid. The I fact think it's that it mistimed. Was so it's like, and yeah, well, it's like what Chris said. Having it so close to another Star Wars film, you yeah. know, not letting somebody, like, you know, get really hungry for it. Um, and choosing to release it in such a dense couple of weeks of massive films being released. Like, we've talked about this before, Craig, like, some people don't go to the cinema that often, um, and if they're going to choose a film, they might have just chosen to see Infinity War. Do you know what I mean? Like, it didn't have a hope. Yeah, a new hope. A new hope. It didn't have a new hope. Yeah. And there's there's always the possibility that the the Han Solo prequel is just a <clears throat> a story that average audiences aren't all that interested in as well. You know, it's it's great, like you mentioned, with the references to Bosk and all this kind of fan service. But at the end of the day, is is fan service really that important to a wider cinema audience? You know, the thing about Force Awakens is you can jump into it and and, and get behind these new people and. Um, Last Jedi follows on from that but maybe this, and Rogue One is an entirely self-contained little thing so maybe this is just like maybe no one really wants to see that prequel I'm not saying no one but I'm you know, I'm talking in your your broad average Joe mm. cinema goer type mm-hmm. thing you know, maybe they just aren't bothered about the Kessel Run or all this stuff Yeah, and if they're going to do these which they are, you know um, spin-offs and prequels and origin stories and things then some of them are going to be hits some of them are going to be like this yeah. you know they're not they can't all be the you know breaking box office records and things and i suppose mm-hmm. as far as disney's concerned as long as they're making some money <laughs> but didn't this lose money because it wasn't just when they've chosen to release it so about numbers and stuff of who went to see it but the production costs were huge because didn't they reshoot like a whole massive chunk of the film Oh, they they changed directors like well some of the fil- film had been done and so like um, yeah like I read yeah. something recently and it was like they spent a substantial figure on reshooting um and and redoing a lot of it that they shouldn't have done like they yeah. probably didn't need to do and if like just sounds like it would just spiral out of control yeah um, and it's not fair it's not fair on the story it's not fair on on the actors now who are going to be told that they're in like Star Wars only flop it's not fair <laughs> it's a better film than that and it deserved more deserved I will, credit. S- I will say that this doesn't feel like a film that's been stitched together from reshoots and things like that you know whereas Rogue One certainly does to an extent mm-hmm. there is one part of this film that a figure appears as part of the reshoots I know that every scene that Paul, Paul Bettany's in is reshot because it was supposed Why? to be some some uh, some guy in the wire playing a bear or something like that, you know, a, a bear? bear type. Alien. Yeah, like some. I I don't know. I can't remember the exact animal that his species is based on, but he's like, you know, he's an animal of some sort. But the um, so Paul Bettany stepped in after uh, after all that, and he just became you know a guy with scratches on his face, which is fine. <laughs> like I thought Paul Bettany was great, but since they shot all that material separately, it doesn't feel like it's in a different film. But there is one part that I do feel is a bit tacked on and I think it's uh, Woody Harrelson's relationship with Tandy Newton oh that's because really weird isn't it once when she dies he doesn't seem to care yeah. you know after that point he's not bothered and even yeah. when Paul Bettany says sorry to hear about whatever her name is and he's just like eh, thanks and then it, it's nothing else so I wonder if like in an earlier version of the film they were just partners 
um, instead of like lovers or whatever they were supposed to be. She very readily kills herself in that. I was really confused. Yeah. Like, that's the one bit where I was like, I don't really get why you've done that. Like, she just gives up and then blows the bridge up and he's all like, oh my god, but there's really... Um... But he does get over it quite quickly. He does. Well, yeah, that's, that's the only part because... I feel stitched but... in. No, because that made me think, though. Like, he is probably that kind of character, though, that that gets away with loads of stuff. And he's probably had loads of partners that have all ended up dying and he's always been the one that's escaped. So I just thought maybe he's not that bothered because this is maybe the tenth person that he's had working by him and he's getting used to the fact that it's a really tricky business. I just viewed it a bit like that. But mm-hmm. she is very keen to blow herself up on the bridge. I did think that there was definitely other options for her at that point. <laughs> it seemed like, you know, every everyone in Star Wars has normally got some form of grapple hook or something. You know, she used it earlier on. And you're sort of thinking, there must have been other options other than, no, I'm just going to blow myself up right now. Uh, and then that was it. Maybe she just wanted to yeah. eat. Do you mean? Maybe she just was like, oh, it. she's faked her death. Her. It's like, no, no, we've got time. We'll circle around and get you. It's like, no, no time. I'm going to blow myself up. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I've got to go now. I, I'm yeah, not retiring yeah. with you to watch you learn to play your space banjo or whatever yeah, he was it. he was threatening to retire and play. <laughs> I'm sick of your stupid music. I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Guaranteed yeah, so, she shows up in a later film with robot legs. Probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that is the only part that I felt was stitched in. Everything else felt a bit... Felt like it was cohesive and part of the same like narrative. So I'll give it that. I think Ron Howard did a good job of piecing together footage that was already there and creating his own and, and building something that was, you know, felt like it was a, a, a whole, you know, because the thing is, even if even if the relationship side of things was stitched on just to make it look like there's a bit more pathos attached to that, then you, you have loads of films where, like, characters don't seem to care about death, um, the death of someone they've worked with for years or whatever, so... You can kind of get past that in a way, and mm-hmm. but but it does get glossed over far too quickly. You could sort of cut that tender moment between them, and the, the film would be better for it. I think. Craig, why did the director change? Uh, because apparently Disney didn't want ad libby comedy uh, after realizing that they'd hired directors that are famous for ad lib comedy, so oh. they, they they fired those two directors. Uh, I don't know how true this is. I'm only parroting what was reported and then they hired Ron Howard because I guess he's a bit more of a more of what they want from a Star Wars director or what Kathleen Kennedy wants from a Star Wars director but then I heard an interview with him and he seemed to say that they still had sort of a bit of ad-libbing and improvisation going on on set um, well, they are going to say uh, that, Phoebe uh, Waller-Bridge apparently improvised a lot of the L3 lines and other bits and pieces Hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't work at Lucasfilm, so and even if I did, yeah. I'd probably... But I always feel like you know. That's why I asked you. I always feel like you have. I just like to pretend answer. that I know. That's what it is. <laughs> what do you but, think yeah. the chances are that Clint Howard was involved before Ron Howard got into it? It's a good question. <laughs> I think probably quite low. And now he's been in Star Wars and Star Trek in live action. So there we go. Technically, that's George. A fun to... fact. Technically, George Takei is the first person to cross over from Star Wars to Star Trek, or Star Trek to Star Wars. Ooh. Yeah. He voiced uh, a Neomoide in, in the Clone Wars cartoon. Has there been, <laughs> has there been a few? 
Uh, there have the been same. now, I think. I, I think there has been a few now. I mean, Probably because those worlds are massive. Just how big these franchises are, there's going to be movement. You know, actors are going to show up in more and more of them. Yeah. Mm. Um, Chris, it's interesting you bring up L3. Least favourite character. Did not like. Irritated the hell out of me. I liked elements of L3, but I think her story was kind of made into a humour piece, where if you frame it slightly differently, it's more of a horror theme to it. Um, So the character is meant to be all for robot rights, wanting its freedom, wanting other robots to be free against restraining bolts, and then the final thing that is done to this character is its brain is disassembled and thrown into servitude inside the Millennium Falcon forever. Um, so you kind of go, yeah, you go, oh, that's what happened to that character. Okay, we'll move along. It's a really um, long-winded way of explaining why the Millennium Falcon's computer has a peculiar dialect. I think that's just a side bit to it. I, I, I hope that isn't what they set out with for the whole time. It's like, well, C-3PO said this thing about the Millennium Falcon once, and we've now got to explain it. Um, I thought there was there was elements to the character that was quite funny. I, I liked the fact that she was sort of pining after Lando. I thought that was quite funny. I liked the, the way that worked between the pair of them. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It didn't fully drive home for me. I do think it's funny that entertainment in the Star Wars universe is apparently watching two refrigerators duke it out. <laughs> Just that's apparently what passes for fun in in Star Wars. Robo wrestling. <laughs> Robo wrestling. It's not even. It's not even as uh, elegant as Robo Wars. That show that you may or may not be aware of uh, in different regions. Uh, if you're a listener, Sir Kilowatt cameo would have been great though. <laughs> a Sir Kilowatt cameo that would have been. A, I did. I did kind of like the line of "They don't even serve our kind here," uh, which I thought was quite funny. It made me chuckle a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, L three. Other guys, what do you think? Um, didn't like it as much. I do enjoy, you know, that they're trying to carry on the the um, theme of having interesting droid characters because obviously R2 and 3PO were such big parts of the original films uh, but I think K2SO was probably a better character from um, Rogue One mm. and did that whole kind of sarcastic robot better than mm. L3 K2SO was good yeah I also agree that it, they needed a massive shoehorn to get L3 into the for, uh, into the Falcon's computer and yeah I don't know I could have done without that but I think I don't. I didn't have any problem with the with the relationship with Lando stuff, and it, for some reason there seemed to be more uproar about the whole pansexuality thing. But I didn't mm. even really see it as. I mean, it was more of a sort of played for laughs sort of thing, wasn't it? I mean, their whole yes. are they, aren't they? You know, who feels it what works. for who relationship? <laughs> yeah, although the it's funny how the two female characters. You know, we'll we'll say that L three is female because she has a female voice. Uh, the only scene they share together is them sitting talking about men. You know, that's the Bechdel test failed right there. Oh, yeah, because she <laughs> asks them something. Yeah, yeah. so that's... It is what it is, but... Uh, yeah, I wasn't a fan of that character. I... When, when, when we first meet 
the droid. I was a bit like, I thought it was Tilda Swindon. So I was like, oh, cool. And uh, and then and then because I thought it was her, I just believed it was her. And so for a while, I was like, all right, cool, this character's all right. And I thought she's like this mad feminist and like fighting for all these rights and stuff. But then they just did it too much and they gave her too much time. Like, it just, it just, it, I, when they were focusing on, on her storyline, I would rather have been finding out what was going on in the rest of the universe. It, it does seem that it's one of these tick box things that they've got to do in a Star Wars film now where it's like, right, we need the sort of sassy droid to be in this. And like you said, I think K2SO was sort of the best one that we've seen recently sort of fill that void and did it so well that seeing another one in this film, you're going, nah, but you're not quite as good. And I think that's what sort of takes away from it a bit. I don't think they should stop doing it, though. Like, I I do quite like seeing all the sorts of different kinds and things that they've got. So, you know, it's just another variation of it. I wasn't that fast. Well, it was, it was trying something new, yeah. It's just that new thing didn't really work for me. Yeah, but I do appreciate the attempt, if nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> well done, I appreciate that. Yeah. Just wait for the IG-88 spin-off movie if you want to see a different <laughs> take on a droid. Gonk droid, a Star Wars story. <laughs> Someone mentioned relationships there, so uh, it's a good time as any to talk about kind of the beginnings of iconic relationships. So I'll start with Han and Lando. I got the impression that they had met more than twice um, before, you know, b- before the events of Empire Strikes Back. You know, because in this film they meet when... Uh, the first game of Sabacc, where Han loses, which I thought was a nice subversion of the expectation, uh, having him lose the first one, um, mm. because that's where it's like, oh, here we go, here's the Falcon getting one. Oh, no, it's not. And then they meet later when he does actually win the Falcon, and then we're led to believe never sees him again until Empire Strikes Back. I don't know, did anyone else get the impression that they'd yeah. done a bit of job we worked together for over the years. I think they've they've met again since the that that table. I, you definitely get the the impression that they've been friends for a while, not just oh we did that one thing once and then never saw each other again. Uh, I mean, he definitely has a better relationship with sort of Chewie, and there's that expectation when they turn up in Empire that they're going to be you know greeted like long lost friends, not like oh I totally remember you. Um, you know, yes, come and hide in my city sort of thing. Because you get a bigger first, sense of betrayal as well. He's the first person who who has beaten him, though. You know, played him at his own game. Beaten him, taken a ship. But, yeah, I think they do it on purpose, though. You know, that whole, I'm never going to see you again. I hate you. Because then you're like, well, we know that they do hang out. And we know what the relationship is at that point that they do hang out again. So, again, they leave something to the imagination. You're left to to think about how they're feeling in that moment and and to ponder what else they've done, you know? Might be covered in future films if they ever do. I think I think Lando would definitely end up tied into some sort of weird wacky scheme. Uh and would turn up in another film. I th- I think it definitely Donald Glover's performance in this was really, really good. And you definitely want to see more of him. I don't I don't particularly want to see Lando, a Star Wars story, be the next the next spin. 
I don't know, you know, if there is a film to be had here, I wouldn't like it to focus on just one character and go, right, it's going to be the dot, dot, dot movie. It's like, let's have it as like a little standalone type thing, I think. You know, another heist movie, but sort of tie them all in together. I think with Lando, though, you know a lot less about him than you do about Han, you know, based on the, the original trilogy. When you when you meet him at Cloud City, you, you know that about him. You don't learn mm. much else. So, like, there is more freedom there to tell a different story. You know, he's he's effectively a blank slate. I mean, you know what the kind of baseline personality is, but other than that, um, I would... Like I said, that's the film I'd rather have seen. I was do you, do you really want to go back to Lando Origins? I mean, I see, I think they could have done that if they hadn't done... this. I, yeah. I think, yeah, I think if they hadn't done Solo first, I think you would have been all right. I think now, if you then go back and go, okay, we're now going to do Lando Origins, you're going to struggle a bit. Now, you might have something tying them into sort of how he ended up, you know, mayor of a cloud city or something. You can maybe end up following on that with flashbacks or something, which they're likely looking at. Uh, I mean, we've got the Boba Fett one to to come still, so he might even turn up in that. Is Who knows? Boba Fett solo yeah. film? Yep. Yeah. Suppose it- Supposedly directed by the Logan director. Why are they doing all these? Dollar. Like, what are they trying to prove, though? Like, I don't... I, I kind of, like... I've got my Cine World Pass. Throw that out there. So, if I had time, maybe I'll go check it out. But if they're just going to start churning out all these character stories, don't care. Like, I, like I, they're, it's enough for them to be in the film as, like, this this character. I'm not going to... Why, why do I want to see them... In their own film. Well, maybe the performance of this film will cause them to change tack a bit and, and think a bit more about what they're going to do with these side films. Because, yeah. you know, it's, because mm-hmm. these solo films, side side ventures, mm-hmm. um, not, like, not tremendously interesting because, well, when you look at this film, you've got three characters, Han, Chewie and Lando, and you know that they can't be in any real danger. <laughs> Because they all survive, you know, and yeah. unless unless they were going to reveal that uh, this is actually Lando's twin brother, Nando <laughs> Calrissian, who gets killed, you know, um, which Na- of course Nando Calrissian, Nando Calrissian, he goes off to form a, 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 a chicken restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> he sells, he sells, he runs a fast food joint somewhere on Tatooine. I don't know, yeah, freshly yeah. fried porg, peri peri wobra. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, well, they they did talk about uh, Minoc roasts at some point during this film. So, (laughs) so there's that. Uh, Yeah, Uh, Angus, what did you think of the relationship between Han and Lando? Do you think uh, they never see each other again, or whatever? I think there's no way that you could see the end of this film and then see Empire and expect that kind of reaction from Lando. So, I would have liked to have seen or. I don't expect we will see more of them teaming up because I think it would be good to see mm-hmm. at least the three of them pull some jobs together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because you get, like you've said, you get the impression that um, they were friends or that they, you know, uh, went on some heists together, got into some scrapes. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd prefer to have seen, because I like the way they start out as rivals, and then I would like to see them kind of begrudgingly respect each other, become friends, and then maybe fall out, and that's what happened. Over that, a girl. that kind of leads into the Cloud City meeting. Yeah. 
yeah, I feel like there's more there. There, there should be more there. It shouldn't just be, well, you've got my ship. I'll see you in like twenty years, <laughs> yeah. you know, or however long it is. Um, and, uh, the timeline is kind of sketchy, but it's it's a bit disjointed, I suppose. Uh, what do we think of Kira? Uh, I think mm-hmm. that she is problematic because her role changes from scene to scene. So, yeah. you know, you, you think she's an idealistic romantic and then she's kind of a someone who's been put upon by circumstance. So she's like part of this syndicate she doesn't want to be a part of. And then she's a willing participant who's like badass. And then she's like a femme fatale. It just depends. Every scene she's like Well, different. I think she's supposed to be in Enigma though, you know? Like she's supposed to be this adaptable character that has to, you know, change how she is to fit her circumstance or... Um, you know, to she has to forever be adapting. I think to fit in. I, I was surprised by her character change throughout the film, though. And I have to be honest, I didn't like the the first scene with her. Like the opening scene of the film, I thought was really cheesy and a bit trash. And I thought it was setting us up for a massive crap film. But um, after the first scene with her, it gets way better. But um. Yeah, it's like she really is. I don't know, I can't make up my mind whether or not she was flawed or not. I feel like if she was there to adapt and change to her environment, then she did that well. But there's no real truth to her. Yeah, I feel like there's there's adaptable and then there's, all right, in this scene she needs to do this. I never felt like there was any kind of baseline for her, so I never knew what I felt like I should be expecting from her. Mm. So every time she makes a decision and does something, I'm like, that might be her, I don't know. You know because, yeah, what's the true What's yeah. the true nature of her? Yeah, like, what is she supposed to be? And um, I'm kind of glad they didn't kill her, though, because I saw that coming. I was, I felt to myself, right, she's going to die and that's going to yeah. make Han never trust anyone ever again or whatever, you know, but I'm glad they didn't kill her. I feel because. like we we see her her true self at the end when she when she goes with um, Maul because she's given opportunities like loads of time to not to not choose the dark side or to go with the bad guys and she chooses that herself at the end because she's in a position where she can go and and lead a different life and she chooses the one that's associated with all the evil guys. So, yeah, but I don't I don't understand why she decides to leave Han behind. Well, because that's her making her decision. She's an evil character. The whole time you're not sure whether is it is. That's when she makes the decision to to join the the dark side. I think she knows that Han could never commit to that kind of life and makes a decision on his behalf almost and goes right well I'm off to be evil I know you wouldn't be able to stick at it so see you later Um, you see there's a little bit you know sort of the conflicted decision as to whether she's going to dial up and say right he's dead I'm taking his place right we're off uh, kind of thing you can see there's a bit of conflict there but I'm with you Craig that you never really establish a baseline for her where you're either surprised at her decision or you're expecting it. You're kind of in this no-man's-land territory. Yeah. Angus, thoughts on Kira? I didn't really like her. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's anything against Emilia Clarke. I think she's a good actor, but no, I, just think the, I just think the character 
was not great was a bit meh and also suffers from that kind of like you mentioned before we know what happens to some of these characters so when you see uh, the whole kind of setup of um, Kira and Han being this uh, romantic couple at the beginning you know it's not going to end well so she was either going to die or she was going to turn against him so there was that kind of there was that hanging over it the whole time and you knew that something like that was going to happen so yeah it was just a bit I know she was a bit of a non-character for me I didn't I, and I agree with what you've said as well about her different kind of motivations from scene to scene and yeah I think she was one of the weakest parts of the film for me it's funny how Amelia Clark is um, problematic in, in big franchise stuff. You know, Terminator. She was she's, well. She didn't suck. I mean, her character did, but um, yeah, that film was dreadful on every conceivable level. Um, and you know, she's not so great here either, uh, because of how she's written. Though I think, like, I think if she was given a better character, I feel like she could probably act a bit better. I'm basing this on nothing. I've never watched Game of Thrones. Uh, I've seen her in one film other than the two I mentioned, uh, which is, I forget the name right now, but it's one where she plays like this carer slash girlfriend to a guy who's in a wheelchair. Um, um, what's that called? It was based on a book. Sam Claflin was in... Origins. <laughs> X-Men Origins, Xavier. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't remember what it was Please called. Please don't but... die. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> All those films are called that, though, aren't they? Please don't die. Oh, God. I'm in a wheelchair. <laughs> Look after me until I die. Called a fun funeral. We've all got things like that. <laughs> Please don't die. Just what a great, what a great title. You know what you're getting, I suppose. Me before you, that was it. That, yeah, pretty much the same. I saw that and I thought she was okay in that. I mean, I thought the film itself was kind of alright as well. But yeah, anyway, that's not... I thought she was terrible as an actress in um, in the opening scene. I just was like, it, it was like a practice scene that they'd done. <laughs> and I couldn't believe it had made the final cut, not let alone the opening clip. Well, that... Um, that scene as well, it's just, it's really clunky because it's like, Gosh. it's like, hey, Kira, look what I managed to get. It's the stuff that we can sell for a lot of money on the black market, but you already know this, so why am I telling you that? And she's like, <laughs> yes, and then we can leave this planet and then we can buy a ship and fly off into the sunset and do our own thing. It's like, okay, there's got to be easier ways to get your motivations across without just telling us, you know. It's what it's, we've always dreamed of. Yeah, <laughs> it was good. Think of how long it took them to tell us that and how long it would have taken otherwise. Well, there's other ways you could do it. I mean, you can tell by the way they're running around that they don't want to be there, for example. So you can almost do that without dialogue. And, um, you know, you could do that in essentially one line. And Han, all, all Han has to say is, look at this, it's our ticket out of here. And then you're just like, all right, cool. We're going to use that to get off planet somehow. Fine. And you move on. But instead of all this clunky dialogue, there was a lot of clunky dialogue throughout the film, I thought, actually, where they were just explaining things. You know, no one's done the Picasso run in less than 20 parsecs. <laughs> I did kind of like the way that they managed to write around the fact that they got confused about time and distance when they did the original. So I'll, I'll, I've got to give them credit for that. I like the interpretation that uh, Han is just sizing up Obi Wan and Luke to see if they're like, if they know what they're talking about. <laughs> you know, because um, because Obi Wan kind of rolls his eyes in that scene. 
you know, it's like, oh my god, what's he talking but about? But yeah. you know, I just, I just kind of like that they they managed to find a way to change it around. But it doesn't seem like it would be a very famous thing to have happened. No, you know, the way it's said in the original yeah. film is like, do you not recognize the ship? It's the one that did this, <laughs> and it's like everyone's like, what's that thing? Like, oh, that planet. Like, we don't even know that planet exists. What, what did? Oh, you did it in that distance. Mm. Oh, that's neat, I suppose. And what did they do? Really, <laughs> they flew into like some clouds that were inside a you know a nebula and then almost got killed by a giant space kraken and yeah i actually felt really sorry for lando in that sequence because it's like i'm letting you fly my ship and you've like wrecked it (laughs) within the within minutes of getting behind the um the joystick it's just it's it's a mess my cannon's falling off i've lost a radar dish and my escape pod's gone half the hull has been ripped off it's just yeah, well, but he he earned his money through cheating, so he probably that ship was probably acquired through cheating as well. So yeah, I mean the only thing that's still attached to that ship in the end is the tracking beacon. Everything else has been <laughs> ripped off it. The only thing that's still attached is the blinking light that's telling how everyone that, what they are. Yeah, how did that stay on? <laughs> Massive gravity well that's pulling the hull off the ship, and it's ah, the tracking device. That's all right. It's hanging on the outside. It, it's pretty secure. It's gorilla glue that's on that thing. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> uh, I will say though, I did like that sequence. It was probably the most exciting part of the film for me. Um, it was cool seeing some fancy piloting and and some of the banter was good fun. Uh, you know that I'm uh, Chewie's 194 years old. And Next six. And, uh, sorry. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, that kind of stuff. I thought I thought the banter was quite fun and. Um, although there was a bit of like almost a bit of Star Trek about it and you know I don't want to use that as an insulting term but it was the what if, what if we chuck in this uh, this MacGuffin stuff into the engine it will give us the boost we need to escape you know and um, it's let's eject the core yeah that's it yeah <laughs> how's that going to yeah. let's eject the fusion reactor it's like that, that's not going to help like, no let's not it will switch off the engines too late I've hit the button uh, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so it, it was a fun sequence. Uh, giant space squid aside. I feel like if you've got a gravity well and a space squid, you don't need both. One one will do. Yeah, you could have had escape from the space squid and you'd have been all right. Though, yeah. though, though the skin getting ripped off the face of massive space squid. That was harsh. That, that, harsh. that what, what a way to go. People are just really mean to squids in general. Yeah. Space or otherwise. Yeah, especially <laughs> big, massive ones. It was huge, though. It was. It was so huge. Big squid. And then destroyed. It seemed like quite a stupid large animal as well because you think it's it's pretty native to that area, so it was probably knows about the gravity well and to stay it's away from it. It's probably the only one that's left. Yeah, but one small ship so flies massive. in. It's probably only so massive because it's been fighting against gravity its whole life and it's just stretched it to be absolutely massive. <laughs> Are, are ships edible? Do massive space squid go, mmm, that looks tasty? No, but it's probably like when you give a cat like a toy made of feathers, it tries to eat it anyway. Yeah. And now that makes its death feel really tragic. You know, it's like, it's like, <laughs> a, a, it's like a kitten chasing a ball of wool and then yeah. falling down a manhole. That's you know, a bit like, oh. Yeah. Not just falling down a manhole, but having all of its skin ripped up <laughs> falling down a manhole. Guys, stop uh, it. That's rough, that's rough. Peace out, space squid. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was a cool sequence. Never I like that. Forget. 
Yeah. Never forget the space squid. Yeah. R.I.P. Hashtag Play. space squid lives matter. <laughs> That's um, too far, Chris. <laughs> You're normally cool, not anymore. <laughs> normally cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was a fun sequence. I also liked the train robbery. I thought that was really well done. Did not like that. You did like that, but I like that. But I don't know. I kind of honestly, the further we go with podcasts or films, the more I feel like I hated the film. I get, <laughs> I get really, I get really bored, and I question everything that I've thought when I first seen it, and and I don't know people's names, and then when I have to Google it, it just takes me out of the. Yes, let the hate flow through you. That's it. That's what podcasting does. Convinces you your favourite film is your least favourite film. Yeah, I know, and and I'm really confused now. It's like, just wait to be honest with you. The shootout in the throne room kind of place, that was a bit miffy. Um, Guess what? What? I've just thought of a rise against. (laughs) Well, save it for next time. No, I really want to say it now. Can I say it now? It's Star Wars related. In fact, it's solo related. It's pretty much... Okay. okay. Do you know that car advert that they played <laughs> at the beginning? <laughs> that is legit the worst car advert Surprise! I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it, is, it is terrible. And if we are going to blame anything for the failure of this film, I think it should be that advert. Because it it's is awesome. the, the shit. Please don't edit that out because people people need to hear it. It is the worst advert I've seen in such a long time. In fact, do you know like when you watch The Apprentice and then they have to do adverts? Last year they did it on cars. Their car adverts were better than this one. Though though Renault Kajar does sound like a sort of uh, Star Wars villain name. It would have been better than Tobias Beckett, wouldn't it? (laughs) You know, Renault Kajar sounds like a more Star Warsy name. But the whole effort, I was like, I can't believe Star Wars let them use their characters to advertise this piece of (laughs) acting that they have. And I was like, oh... Honestly, I almost walked out of the cinema when I saw that. <laughs> Before the that, film even started. I was like, no. Nah. I was like, if this is what kind of shit this film is attached to, I don't want to see it. You really However, tested my bank of Star Wars sound effects here. I know. <laughs> Thankfully, the film was good. But that advert, gosh. Right, so we went to see Jurassic World, whatever, the other day. Yesterday. And that advert came on again. And I'd almost forgotten how awful it was. So that and this new diabetes lotto advert are the two worst adverts I've ever seen in my life in the last week. What is going on? Because I don't dig it. You're listening to the advertising podcast. Jeez, let's have one. But like, honestly... (laughs) As, that, as a side have note, you, to, but you guys know what I'm talking about, though, right? Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. As a side there's note to the advertising podcast, there's a very good comedy skit out there from a guy called John Finneymore um, on a, I think it was a Radio Four program that he did it on, where it is two marketing executives arguing over who's promoting what. So it's the fast food chain wanting toys from a particular film, and they can't decide whether the film is getting promotion from them and should be paying the fast food restaurant to promote their film. And the fast food restaurant isn't sure if they should be paying the film in order to promote their fast food restaurant. It's, I can imagine that this really happens. You know, it's Probably. just... But they, that advert does try to convince me that this car is better than the uh, Millennium Falcon, which just isn't going to be the case. 
I I, I mean, does, legit... does, a, does a Renault car, will it have a cape armoire in the back? No, it will not. So many capes. I am um, not. It's just absolute trash. She, the woman is a trash hole. <laughs> that kid is a trash hole. The car is a trash hole. God. Everyone's a trash hole. Uh, to the Sarlacc pit with him. To, the, to uh, that, yeah. And now it's time to bring you this week's sponsor, which is the new <laughs> Renault Kajar. <laughs> <laughs> Please make this a hashtag because if anyone is searching for that, they need to find <laughs> <laughs> when when you press the accelerator it's like going into hyperspace <laughs> and then they walk up at that like the premiere of the film it's just like surprise like no no honestly the apprentice people can do better than this and that is really saying something because they are shit Honda <laughs> the power of dreams <laughs> so back to the um, back to the film uh, do you think when Han won the Falcon from uh, Lando that he let him clear out all his capes before flying off? Mm, no. No chance. It was contents and all. Yeah. <laughs> Sold that scene. Uh, th- what use does he have for capes? Turn them into cushion covers. <laughs> <laughs> Put out fires. Crafting with Han. Put, he puts out fires. Mm. Does does big art attacks with them. Can somebody do that? That'd be really good. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, anything? Yeah. Mm. Uh, Big so... art attack of the clones. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Think we found the title of the podcast. <laughs> that yeah. was terrible. You mean the title's not going to be Renault Kajar? No. no You're right. No like... one, no one would search for that because no one wants to buy it. <laughs> Wow, harsh. Just saying, it's true. So, action sequences. Uh, yeah, so there, there was two memorable ones. But I did think that... I did like the fact that there was this film has a lot lower stakes than pretty much any other Star Wars film. You know, there's no fate of the galaxy hanging in the balance at any point. Although Han does almost fund the, rebe- fund the rebellion. Yeah, didn't really like the, that. Yeah, which is like, nah, nah. <laughs> Uh, I like the trench warfare stuff. All two minutes of it. Yeah, could have had where, more. But where Han know, doesn't shoot a single person. That was a Star War that we were observing there, which was quite good. Yeah, uh, I would have. I agree with you. I would have liked to see more of that. Just an imperial campaign. You don't even know where they were or why they were there as well, and why was Han against it? I think he would just be against. Anything that someone in a position of authority was telling him to do. That's true. It's possibly true. Um, but lower stakes, I think uh, if they're going to keep this side venture experiment running, then you can't have the entire galaxy be at stake and this big operatic uh, story that flows through every character. You can't keep having that because it's it's boring after a while. Um, so it is much better to have this Here's just a guy flying around the galaxy doing stuff. Uh, that That's much better. And, you know, leaving the Force out of it. I know there is one point where the Force does appear, and there is a lightsaber, sort of. But Why does he whole, ignite the lightsaber? Because, I don't know. Just <laughs> Look at this. <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense. 
I like uh, that it was, we're going to have no Jedi and no Sith. No Jedi, no Sith. Okay, sod it. We're going to put one in at the end. Okay, go. <laughs> Technically, that's true. Uh, Maul is not a Sith at that point. Yep. Um, uh, <laughs> here we go in exposition backstory corner. Uh, I had an issue with the Darth Maul cameo, or he's just Maul, he's not Darth anymore, uh, because I already know how that story ends. Unless they're planning to decanonize Rebels which I hope they don't because they did wrap that up very nicely. But for those that don't know, Maul was, I'm not going to say resurrected, he never died in the first place. After the events of The Phantom Menace, he slinked off to a planet and he had robot spider legs and he was eating rats and stuff, or whatever the Star Wars equivalent of rats are. And then eventually he comes back um, with his robot legs and takes over some crime syndicates, just generally cuts about the galaxy being angry. And then eventually he gets to the point where he confronts Obi-Wan again and dies uh, in Rebels. So, Spoiler alert. Yeah, well, full spoilers for Rebels, whatever. Um, which a low percentage of the audience will have watched uh, for this film. So what do you think they're planning to do with Maul, considering they've told this story in other mediums? I think they've brought him in as a potentially a usable thing for any sequel follow-up-y bit to this. I mean, they hint that, okay, he's going over to Tatooine, he's going to work for, we presume, Jabba the Hutt, doing a mission, a thing, a heist, a whatever. So, yeah, maybe running interference in the background or just in it. I thought it was a very weird cameo to put in, and I've heard the director talking about the fact that they had a list of people it was going to be. And potentially it was going to be Jabba. Uh, potentially it was going to be just a another alien. They were just going to like create some random thing and put it up on screen. Well, Jabba would have you made know. sense. It, it would have done, but I mean, maybe the view screen wasn't big enough for Jabba. <laughs> but I, but yeah, they they sort of had a list apparently, and then they ended up on Maul because apparently they were like, well, in the timeline it fits, and he's still alive and rebels, so we can use him, kind of thing. Yeah, should have been yeah. evil Ben Quadraneris. <laughs> oh god uh, <laughs> but it does. this does make me worry about the potential Obi-Wan spin-off movie which will probably end with a 20 minute lightsaber fight with Maul in the desert um, and therefore decanonize one of the things that we're very careful about keeping canonized I feel very strongly about this because I love Rebels I think it's a really good show and I think they made good use of you know Maul as a character and, and they resolved it very very well so if they're going to go and screw this up with mediocre side films, then I'm not for that. Probably the fundamental problem with all of these side movies where it's characters that you know their ultimate out fate, because, uh, you know, how much how much fun can it be when you know exactly what happens to them in the end anyway? Yeah, well, average Joe audience member won't understand... Uh, where Maul's headed because unless they've watched Rebels which will be a small part of the audience they won't I'm know. the common audience then because I don't know Yeah, I, and also, I'm not going to watch think, it so. Also, if you've seen the prequels and you see Maul get cut in half in Phantom Menace you're going to be like why is he here? He's dead. <laughs> is this a spoiler alert? <laughs> exactly exactly what I, I was going to say there was if what? you're sort of the average cinema goer you're not going to go into this going oh well I totally expected him to still be alive <laughs> 
I mean that 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 was like yeah he's he's been taken out and he's gone and he's dead and I do like the fact that a lot of people have come out of this with the confusion of so so where does this take place so this is before the prequels then how old is Hansel no, because like, he's got fake legs yeah but yeah yeah well, he's got robot legs now but if you don't notice the robot legs <laughs> I know like, the robot legs I said to God okay, Chris so- is explaining what uh, certain cinema goers would uh, you know thinking yeah. wait that's the guy from. Episode Is that one, the guy from the thing? Dead, so. No, because I said, right, I don't really remember the first couple that came out, the first three. I don't really know them that well. So I said to Gus, I Go was on. like, whoa, did you see when he stood up, he's got fake metal legs? And Gus was like, what did he? That means, oh my God, this means it's in this timeline, blah, 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 blah. I was like, legit, don't know. All I know is that he's got <laughs> fake legs. Technically, the first That's thing you I see observed, is his robot legs. You don't see Gus didn't is, observe it, the, but I yeah. did. You see the metal I legs before you see anything else. I was too distracted by his weird CGI face. See, so Gus didn't <laughs> observe that, and he's the one that's probably going to know the story more than than I do. Well, he does know the story more than I do. So take that, every other person who's not the average cinema gore. I did like that they got Sam Whitwer to do his voice. He did his voice in the animated stuff, and um, he's very good at it. But I was confused by the cameo because I really don't want them to decanonize a really good Star Wars show. They've already taken enough from Star Wars fans with with the the, the Disney regime, you know, with binning all the the rev, the the expanded universe. And um, not that I'm forcing anyone off Instagram for it, and I actually don't really care that they've gotten rid of the the expanded universe because I wasn't deeply into it as such, but. The thing about Rebels is I did get invested in it and I liked Clone Wars as well, so if you're going to stick to what is canon, then stick to what's canon rather than not. You know, like let's not have Maul's story rewritten when you don't have to. It, it does seem like a weird thing for them to, to pick up and do rather than just either creating an interesting character that they can do whatever they want with at that point because they've got no fixed start or end points. You can just create a backstory that you want rather than going into the box and pulling out a, a character that's already there. It just seemed a bit unnecessary to me. It didn't seem like a big payoff that people were like, oh, there's a surprise cameo at the end. And, you and you know, it, it just seemed a bit unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really have much else to say on Maul other than, why? So that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I do like Maul, though. Um, he's the coolest thing about the Phantom Menace, and he says almost nothing. So that's that. The lightsaber he uses is the same one he has in Rebels as well. So, you know, someone's watching. Someone's paying attention to the, the side <laughs> stuff. I liked the Han and Chewie introduction. Yes. That that wasn't done in a way that I was expecting. Uh, I was expecting Chewie almost to come with the Falcon at some point, but the, <laughs> the introduction of it being, you know, we'll feed him to the beast. Um, and at that point, I was expecting some massive sort of space worm thing or, you know, the usual usual style well, monster. As soon as I said beast, I'll be like, this will be true. I, I, I wasn't expecting it a bit, but then I was like, do you know what? If you were going to introduce them, that, that would be quite a good point. And they did it, and I thought it paid off. I, I really, really liked that that sort of scene. I knew it was coming, and from when you you know he's in, he's shrouded in darkness, and the whatever um, 
cave he's in, the echoes are sort of distorting his growls enough that you're like, oh, it's not the familiar Chewbacca <laughs> yell. But, you know, it it was pretty obvious what was coming, I think. <laughs> As a purveyor of the expanded universe, uh, do you know anything about how they're supposed to have met in the in that, like the depiction of it there? Was it in I, a shower? I don't. Because I, don't <laughs> I, um, I, I, I genuinely don't, but... I don't know. I just know that about the life debt. Yeah, there's something about. I, I remember hearing about that somewhere. Yeah. Um, no, I don't know the the origins. No, it was a good meeting, and I really enjoyed Han's um, attempt to speak Wookie, where he wasn't able to articulate it very well. And then would never try again in any yeah feature future film. Yeah, we we do big pretend or something like that. You know the the just kind of the. The really disjointed, terrible translation. Broken Wookie. He can understand it very well, though, so that's good. Or at least for the most part. Um, and one of the things I'll applaud the film for is how they came up with the nickname thing. You know, where he says, I'm going to need to find a nickname for you. And I was expecting the next line to be, how about Chewy? Uh, but no, it just came naturally. It was just a natural thing that he started calling him. And that's better than, you know, that. And... Uh, there was a couple of times where the film restrains itself from winking at the audience like that so I did appreciate that and then? any more on Han and Chewie? Uh, Natalie what did you think of their friendship? I really enjoyed it the whole like like you said when he gets thrown into the beast um, I know it's really obvious but at the moment like at the time I was a bit like oh where's this going to do it and then there was like this realisation of oh my god it's going to be Chewie um, and it was amazing and then I was really excited. And it was really, really good. Really enjoyed it. I liked how naturally they fit together as well, like almost immediately. They just bounced off each other so well. Um even though I didn't feel Han Solo, I still like liked the friendship that they built. And um I guess how how they had each other's back, I really liked that. So um when Chewie was like, I'm gonna go free the other rookies and Han says, Yeah, off you go, I'll I'll be fine and then he returns the favour by um, by helping him out and then sticking yeah. around forever mm. yeah I guess that was probably one of the most fun aspects of the film was seeing the that friendship develop and how they just became best buds pretty quickly yeah and I thought the funniest scene was where he was playing chess with Woody Harrelson and he tried to like shove all the pieces off the board and say, you can't do that they're holograms <laughs> Hmm. You need to, you know, you need to think strategy and whatever else. And he pulled someone's arms off. He did. So, mm. th- so they got that in there. He did. It's good. I think that's why I liked this film actually. It's just because it it doesn't just feel like it's a solo film. It feels like it is us getting to understand how they how they met and how they became friends. Like I don't just view it as the solo story, you know. It's both of them. Also, something I should have mentioned earlier, but Kira knows martial arts that references a really terrible PlayStation game. What? When she knocks someone out and uh, L3 says, that's impressive or whatever, and she says it's Terrace Cassie, which is a PlayStation game. It's a Star Wars beat-em-up called Masters of Terrace Cassie, and it is terrible. It's, uh. it's, like, it's like Soul Calibur if it sucked. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you said that because I 
freaking love Soul Calibur. Yeah, me too. But it's got like the ring outs and it's got like the weapons and it's got all that stuff. But it sucks. So bad. I'm so glad you're here to tell us this information about terrible, <laughs> terrible games. Cause well, as soon as, when I heard that reference, I was like, who dug that out? Who came up with, who put that reference in the script? He put it in there for you, Craig. He did. Just for you. He did. And whoever else had the misfortune of playing that awful Just you, I think. Game. <laughs> yeah, I've never heard of it. Uh, uh, I'll Looking up the sales. Yep, one copy. <laughs> I think I may have had an illegal copy of it, so... Um, huh? Well, someone had to have bought that copy for you to... <laughs> for me to take the copy of it. Yeah. That's what happened. One person bought it and it was disseminated as an illegal copy for PlayStations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll send you a YouTube video of it later. You'll... No, thank you. Yeah, well, tough, it's happening. Show notes. Show notes, that's it, that's it. So, I don't think I've got much else to say. If you guys have anything else to say, we'll we'll do a bit of a wrap-up. Um, finish off a bit with... The rest of the franchise, what do you think we should get from side movies? You know, what would you rather see? Uh, Natalie, you alluded to the fact that do we really need to see the Boba Fett movie, the whoever else movie, you know, the that droid yeah. that that droid that breaks in A New Hope before Owen yeah. picks R2-D2? Do I'd watch like really? a... <laughs> Was that R5-D4? I'd watch like a... Um... Like if they did films like Cooking with Chewy or something like <laughs> top, top five dishes on a budget or like something like that or if they did like Rome with somebody else or a, a day in Hoth, you know, top things to do and see. Attenborough on Hoth. Like I'd watch those kind of things, but maybe not as a film, but maybe Follows as like a, family a special... Of like a special 8pm program on BBC or something but um, yeah or like how how the Millennium Falcon like stays in the sky you know the inner workings of the Falcon you know or the quest to get to the mechanic at the end of the universe that had the, the right part or whatever I'd watch those. You're watching like a I, how it's made. Yeah, yeah, I would. And as long as it had that theme to theme music for it as well, like do do and that guy's voice, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> now, if that doesn't already exist, I'm gonna bet that it will. Whenever somebody, th- somebody's gonna make this happen. Trademark Neil before pod. Yeah. My worry is that you're almost kind of talking about the holiday special here. <laughs> well, that has stuff like that, that in it. Well, it's better it. because it sounds fantastic. That's what I want to watch. I don't want to really watch it's characters. YouTube, so go watch it. Okay, thanks. Show notes. No, but I don't. I don't want to watch like all these characters with their own film and own problems. Like legit, don't care. I'd rather. I'd rather see like a tour of the solar systems. Like, yeah, I'd rather do that. And if they make something like that, then I'll watch it. But. You know, don't yeah the films. I don't know. It might just dilute the whole thing. To be honest, it's not going to make it stronger. I don't think. I think it'll just like a weak squash. What was the point? <laughs> waste yeah. water and a waste of juice. So <laughs> a weak squash. Fair enough. Mm. Uh, Angus, what do you want from side films? Two words. Will Rohood. <laughs> 
I want to know what's going on with that ice cream maker. <laughs> Why was he saving it from Cloud City? Littlehood, <laughs> <laughs> a Star Wars story. Yeah, but in, in all seriousness... I don't get that reference. Um, <laughs> I think that they need to move away from the established characters, which they're not going to do because, you know, they've already got... Well, they might after the box office performance. Money-making machines out there and Boba Fett and Obi-Wan Kenobi... Uh, standalones, all this kind of stuff. But you know, if you already know what happens to these people, it's it's just never as exciting. I would like to see a fresh story, some fresh characters. I I think Rogue One was interesting, even though it had that kind of link, or it was very heavily linked to the um, existing trilogies. You know. A whole load of new characters were introduced, and you know we didn't know that they were all going to die. Spoiler alert! But <laughs> um, they did, and that was kind of exciting because it was something that you know you haven't seen before. And um, whereas you know you're watching a Han Solo movie or a Boba Fett movie or a Lando Calrissian movie or a Gamorrean Guard movie or a um, Rancor Keeper movie, uh, <laughs> and you know what's going to happen to them. You know and they're to train ultimate- your Rancor. Ultimate fate, yeah. <laughs> Malakili, I think, is his name. <laughs> oh, dear. No. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, I'm crying like he does. <laughs> yeah, I want to see some original stuff, and I don't know whether or not they're going to do it because that might be too much of a leap of faith, but, um, yeah, that's where that's where I want them to go. I'm kind of the same as you. I'm, I'm wanting something a bit different. I don't want the origin story of every character in the Star Wars universe. I think they can do something more interesting than that. I mean, I know that they've sort of set Ryan Johnson off to do his own sort of trilogy that's set apart from the main story. So I think we are going to get some of that, hopefully, down the line. But a lot of what you hear at the moment is people going, oh, I want a Lando movie, and we're going to have a Boba Fett movie, and we're going to have a... You are like, oh, but do we really want to know all that? And also, it's not fatigue, because we've waited so long for Star Wars to be back. But I think having them so close together has really harmed uh, this film's box office performance. And then it sends out a sort of negative image that isn't true because I think it is actually quite a good film. No, it is not amazing. It's got its flaws like we've sort of picked apart in the podcast today, but I think it's actually quite a good film. And I think it just these things need to be given a chance. And I know it's a money machine, so they're wanting to try and get everything as quickly as possible. They've just got to try and space it out a little bit more, I think. Excuse the pun. Yeah, um, I really hate the term fatigue when it comes to these films. I think it's a, or, or films like this, it, it's this weird media term that is just frustrating to read because it makes certain assumptions that audiences are fed up with this stuff. And, you know, the the big one is superhero fatigue where they, they talk about how audiences are getting fed up with superhero films. It's like, no, they're not. Uh, Infinity War has almost cleared two billion at the box office. That's not fatigue. Um Star Wars still making money hand over fist. There are a myriad of reasons why this one didn't. Uh, you know, I, I speculated as to maybe people don't really want to see the origin stories of familiar characters because, you know, your average audience doesn't care. Um, or maybe it's just that people didn't like it or the word of mouth was whatever. You know, there are all sorts of reasons. I don't think it's because people are fed up with Star Wars. I think when Episode Nine comes out, people are going to flock to the cinema to see it because... 
it does feel like you're going to get something out of it. You know, it feels like this. It, it's not a box ticking exercise where it's like we need to show these three things to make it a Hans Solo film. You know, it's it's something new, potentially something interesting, although maybe not with a director they've hired. Uh, personal bias creeping in there. Um, <laughs> second, so for my side side films, I want to see new new characters, new situations, further exploration of this expansive galaxy. Um, you know, you can go far, far away without worrying about interacting with different people. You can tell a familiar-ish Star Wars story with new faces, with new situations, um, while still retaining the spirit of it. I would kind of like to see the Old Republic period explored a bit more. I love those games. But at the same time, I don't want to see them retread it. I want something new. There's a lot of time to play with. There's thousands of years of, of lore that they can toss around. So that's what I want to see. I don't want to see Han Solo. I don't want to see Boba Fett. I don't want to see, I especially don't want to see Boba Fett. I find the guy really uninteresting. Uh, I don't want to see Vader, a Star Wars story, side character. You know, any side character you can think of, I don't want to see it. Um, maybe there can be a cameo in one of them, but not maybe not the focus of, of anything. I'm no. going to fast forward to when the Boba Fett film comes out and and you raving about it. <laughs> I can see you being like, holy wonders, this was amazing. Well, if the Boba Fett film comes out, I watch it and I think it's amazing, then I'll be happy because it means I haven't sat in the cinema and wasted my time. You know, I'm like not, all those other times. I'm <laughs> like all those other times. You know, I don't um I don't look to hate stuff. Uh I like to I want to go and watch something and enjoy it because my time is precious to me and I want to spend it doing something I actually enjoy. I don't want to sit there thinking I hate this so much. So I want to like yeah. every Star Wars film. It's just I have my preferences on what I'd rather see and rather not yeah. see. If you need to cheer yourself up, just go and see another one of those I'm dying films. <laughs> Please don't die. <laughs> Please don't die. Starring Amelia Clark. Yeah. That'll make you feel better. Yeah, it's like the like a joke romance film in, in another film. I don't know. Um maybe maybe that's what they watch in the Star Wars universe. Please don't die starring Max Rebo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, I am kind of interested in the Cantina Band Spinal Tap film. That would be that, different. That better be real. <laughs> it's not. I've made it up. But Make Lucas, that happen. But Make if Lucasfilm are listening... Are they called the modal nodes? <laughs> is that what they're called? I didn't know. I just called them the cantina band. Just make it happen, because that sounds like it would be amazing. <laughs> These are the... Okay, producers, writers, directors, anyone out there that's listening, please help us. Hear our call. It could be a fan These film. are the films we want. Could be a fan film. There's a good fan film community for Star Wars. Right, There's well, all sorts of good ones. get them to do it and then have them replace everything else. Those are Indeed. the films I'd like to see. I don't want to see the other ones. Fair enough. So on that note, uh, it's probably time to end. So any wrap-up statements that you want to make before we close off and jet off into hyperspace? Um. I think I've covered it all. Uh, thanks very much. Decent. Yeah. Angus, Natalie, any closing statements? Um, yeah, if you're in the cinema, don't go until the film starts to avoid seeing that dreadful car advert. 
and then send on it really angry later that's covered in like your neighbor's dogs <laughs> to, to the writers of the advert and tell oh. them that they did a bad do you remember when the there was the the Dark Knight Rises coming out and I'm sure the there was a Skoda advert with Batman footage on it suggesting that the new Batmobile might be a Skoda <laughs> Jeez, right. I don't well, know if it was that, a Skoda, but I, I, I seem to remember there was... I'm still going to tell you right now that it would not have been as bad an advert as this one. And that's saying <laughs> something, because that's DC. Indeed. Uh, that's, Angus, that's, those are my closing. Any, any non-car advert wrap-up statements? Um, no, thanks for having us on. Um, it's been fun. My wrap-up statement is that I've covered everything as well. Um, I thought this film was meh, and but I've enjoyed this discussion, so therefore it's justified itself in my head. Um, Good. That's actually really nice, Craig. That's a really positive way to look at it. Yeah, that's it. It, it may have been a underwhelming experience, but it did relate to a good conversation. So yeah. there's that. So Before we end, I was going to say, Chris, I really like your laugh. And whenever you feel something really funny, I really enjoy listening to it. I think I've got a horrific laugh and I don't envy anyone that needs to edit it out of podcasts. No, I absolutely love it. I usually leave it it in because otherwise, because it makes me seem like I'm funny. In fact, he edits it in more. (laughs) (laughs) No, laugh more. That's all I'm saying. I really like it. Laugh more. You live longer. Is that true? Uh, Apparently. And prosper. Yeah, you live longer and prosper. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, so, <laughs> if there's nothing else, I will load you into the escape pod and feed you to Space Cthulhu. Um, I'm yeah, I'm so I'm in solidarity with the Space Squad. Well, you can go and be one with the Space Squad as it slowly digests you over a period of five thousand years. <laughs> so, yeah. Angus, thanks for being here. Thank you. Natalie, thanks for being here. You're welcome. And Chris, thank you for being here. There's this catastrophic extinction level disaster uh, <laughs> looming, but the, the real potential disaster is not, is only kicked off. Chris, he was talking to me. He was talking to me, not you. He was, come on, man. <laughs> Seriously, we were talking about a different film. Destroy the entire planet. Leave the promo uh, tour on tour, man. Off the coast of Costa Jesus Rica. Christ. <laughs> Seriously, I'm doing the whole thing. And, Just and come on. On the entire planet. <laughs> Thanks for having me also, on, Also, was he calling this podcast a catastrophic disaster? I, I think so. I think it was an well, extinction level event. <laughs> that's me and Chris Pratt finished. Chris He's not to coming. Chris. He's Chris not coming to over. reality. Chris <laughs> to Chris. Well, you can tell Chris Pratt that he's not coming over for pizza anymore. Chris to Chris. Chris to Chris. Chris to Chris. That was our discussion of Solo, a Star Wars story. Thanks to YouTuber 331 Rock for the supplied music. If you like what you heard, then don't forget to hit that subscribe button on iTunes, YouTube, or any major podcasting app. iTunes users, we'd love it if you'd leave us a star rating and show us that all-important love. If you have any feedback, then hit us up on Facebook and Twitter under Neil Before Blog, or leave a comment on neilbeforeblog.co.uk. As always, we hope you'll join us on the next Neil Before Pod. <laughs>